Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says that there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Kind of highlight that how many times this was. We take take a look at these first eleven verses. How many times it talks about our mind uh, in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. So Paul's writing this letter, and remember this letter is that uh, letter of rejoicing, a letter of joy, even though it's written uh, from prison. Uh, but Paul says, listen, that for those believers, those that are in Christ, if uh, Christ is in you, right, then we can have that comfort. There's mercy, there's a consolation, there's fellowship together, and this is unity. Unity in the body of Christ. Um, this can be unity in the home uh, with, with believers. Um, but this unity comes with humility, right? With humility and lowliness of night. Not in strife, not in vainglory, he says, but lowliness of mind, esteeming each uh, better than themselves. This humility that we have is a result of Christ in us. Us looking to Christ for our example. The Bible does say this, only by pride cometh contention. So there's contention maybe in the home, contention in the work, you know, contention wherever it may be. Uh, he says the root of this is pride. And we would say as a response to that, yes, but I am right. Right? Yeah, but I'm right and I need to prove it. I'm positive. I'm right. And actually, it would be wrong for me not to show that I'm right, right? It would be wrong for me not to argue my point and make sure that everybody knows that I'm right. This contention that maybe can go on, that the root of it is pride. He mentions the unity in the body of Christ because, believe it or not, that even in Christian circles, there's pride. Even in religion, right? Amen. There's pride. It doesn't take long to see that. It doesn't take long to figure that out. So he says uh, we should be humble-minded. But the problem with that is, is the natural tendency is pride. The natural tendency for us. And t- this morning, we're not looking at everybody else, by the way. This morning, we're going to take, take just time and look at ourselves. Look inside of our own hearts, not around it anywhere else. Look at, look at verse 21 of that same chapter in Philippians 2. He says this, For all seek their own, not the things which are 
Jesus Christ. You know, it's easy for us to just put ourselves first, isn't it? It's easy for us to seek what we is important to us and what's uh, uh, more important in our mind. But when we become followers of Christ, we should what? We should uh, seek what is Christ's. And when we're seeking what is Christ, uh, we'll have a heart for other people, right? Putting them first and being able to see the needs of others and not just of ourselves. Jesus kind of said it this way in Matthew chapter 7. He says, thou hypocrites. That's a strong word, isn't it? He said, thou hypocrites, first cast the, the beam out of thine own eye, right? And thou shalt see clearly... You know, what, you know what pride does for us many times? It makes us so we can't see clearly, right? There's pride in our lives. He says, cast the beam out of your own eye that you may see clearly to be able to help cast the moat out of your brother's eye. Let me just say by way of suggestion, the beam this morning that we're talking about is pride. The beam is pride. Uh, in the Scripture, there's probably not... a a sin more strongly condemned than pride. I'll prove that to you. Proverbs 6, I guess the verses here, I'll just go quick. Proverbs 6, 16 and 17, the Bible says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto Him. The first one is what? A proud look. First one, proud look. Proverbs 16, 5, He says, Every man, everyone that is proud in heart, is an abomination before the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, they shall not be unpunished. See, this pride in our heart, this pride in our lives, will cause us to not be able to see clearly, to not be able to help our brother and the things that we're going on. You know what? Because pride has a way of doing this in our lives. Pride has a way of camouflaging our faults and magnifying others. Right? As we look and say, and in our own lives, we be able to point out the faults of others, but miss maybe that beam. Listen, pride is a strange thing. There is really no joy in pride. There's just no joy in pride. Pride is is, is absolutely when we look at uh, the the truth of God's word. Pride is one of those things that is absolutely baseless. In other words, we have no reason for it. Pride is unreasonable. Right. In our lives, there, in and of ourselves, we ourselves have have nothing to be arrogant about. L- l- listen, if we believe that God created us, right, that right. we were created by God and and we were created uh, to glorify God, the more that we have, maybe the more talent, the more ability, the more things that we have. Listen, this is the more that God has given us. Right. Those are things that God has blessed us with. These are not things that we could be arrogant about or proud about, but the more that we have in one sense, the more we are indebted to God. Right? The more that we have to be humbled about. Pride is one of these temptations uh, that, all, by the way, all of us face, right? But pride is one of those temptations that has no upside. I mean, there's nothing... There's nothing good by it. We're all tempted by it, but there's really no good fruit, no good thing that comes out of it. Some may argue that there's some temptations out there, some sins out there, that there's pleasures for a season in them, right? That's why they're so tempting. 
that there's pleasures for a season in some temptations, but pride, there really isn't. You're, you, if, you're, if you're arrogant, if, if I'm arrogant, I'm miserable. And it's universally disliked. Pride is one of those things that nobody likes someone that's arrogant, right? Nobody likes someone that's proud, and, and we don't like ourselves when we're proud, so it's, this one, it's one of these temptations that we have that there's no good thing in it. But yet, in, a day, in our daily life, in a conversation with a co-worker, in a conversation and uh, just our everyday life with our spouse, in our home, in our family, with other believers, Christians... I don't know if, if you're like me, but you can almost you can almost feel it creep up. Like it's in there, right? And it can start to come out. That arrogance, the pride, that proudness. It co- it comes in different shapes, in different forms. It, it it's in all ranks of society. It, it it's not just limited to certain areas. It's with the educated, uneducated, wealthy, unwealthy, all societies, cultures, and countries. Pride is a sin of the heart. Beginning with Satan, right? This is the original sin. The Bible tells us in, in Isaiah chapter 13 and verse 14, For thou hast said in thine heart, talking about Lucifer, talking about Satan, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation of the sides of the north. I, this is Lucifer, you know this, I, 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 me, me, me. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I, he says, will be like the Most High. And then after that verse he says, yet thou shalt be brought down. Amen. That is the direction of arrogance. That is the direction of pride always. He said, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Here's here's the principle that the Bible teaches. I've got a couple verses here from Proverbs. But in Proverbs 18, verse 12, he says, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And before honor is humility. So, what, what, what goes before destruction is haughtiness. It's the shadow. It goes, if you see it coming, you know what's coming next, right? It's the principle. You know what's coming next. It's destruction. He says in Proverbs 16, 8, Pride goeth before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. So this is the principle that when when you see pride coming and when you see arrogance in our own lives, remember we're looking into our own hearts this morning. When we see that, we know what's coming next, don't we? It's just a biblical principle. It can't be broken. God set it up before uh, destruction. Pride goeth before destruction. And a haughty spirit before Paul. The Proverbs 29-23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. This is a principle of God. Just like the law of gravity. 
we understand it, therefore we respect it. Right. When you're on the edge of a cliff, when you're up in a tree, when you're on a when you're on your roof for whatever reason, you understand the law of gravity, therefore we are cautious, right? The same should be true as we understand this law of pride and the law of humility. That before, when, we, when we're proud, when, we, when the pride goes, there is just like any, just like the law of gravity, what comes next is the sudden stop, right? What comes next is the destruction. This arrogance, this pride in each of our hearts, it takes labor, it takes work to root it out, right? To take it out, to pull it out, to get it out. But the labor spent in ridding ourselves of the arrogance and pride in our heart is much better than the cost of continuing in pride, right? Because we know what that leads to. What does it lead to? Destruction, right? It leads to being brought low. That's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs 4 in verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, the, you know, the keeper of a door, someone that keeps the door, they, they see what comes in and goes out, right? And so therefore, it's our responsibility in our own lives to keep our heart. Why? Because Taking, taking uh, notice of what is in our heart can keep us from a lot of trouble because out of it are the issues of life. He says in Proverbs 23, 19, Hear thou my son and be wise. Guide thine heart in the way. The Bible doesn't teach us to follow our heart. The Bible teaches us to keep our heart and to guide our heart. Right? Therefore, we can keep those temptations and things out that are so destructive. Has to be rejected. But how do we do this? How do we how do we get this this arrogance, this pride out of our out of our heart? The Bible tells us here in Proverbs or Philippians chapter two. You're still there in Philippians chapter two and verse five. He says, let this mind be in you. Now that's mind. The mind, that's a big word, right? What it what it's pertains to. Let this mind, our intention, our purpose, our inclination, our desires, our opinions, right? Even our memory, our intellectual power, our you know, our intelligence, our understanding, our judgment, our reasoning. Even the seat of our emotion or our affection, right? He says, let this mind be in you. I have that written right there in, in, uh, in my Bible, right above you, I wrote, me. Let this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself. This is this is Christ. This is God. He was equal with God, right? He is God. He's the second person in the Trinity. He made Himself, the Bible says, of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant 
and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he what? Humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. As you see God becoming man, putting on human flesh, He comes lower and lower and lower and lower. Why? For us. For us. He was perfect. I go back to the whole correcting and making sure everybody knows that I'm right. Could you imagine if that was what Christ did? If He came to make sure that everybody knew that He was right? Listen, in According, you know, in comparison to Christ, everybody is so wrong. That's right, amen. They're so wrong. He didn't spend his time trying to prove that everybody was wrong. He spent his time making a way that we could be saved, justified, forgiven. And he humbled himself, brought himself so low to be able to do this. He says, let. Let. In other words, this isn't. This isn't a a strong try. This is just allowing Christ to be in us and to work in us. Look, look, you're you're in Philippians 2. Look at verse 13. He says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. A lot of this is just allowing God, allowing God who is in us to begin to work through us. He became a servant. Colossians 3.15 it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you are called into one body and be thankful. A lot of our Christian, Christian life is not so much trying It's not so much working as letting. Letting God will be done, right? Letting Him work through us. Letting His mind be in us. Letting His peace dwell in us richly. The dangers of pride are clear. But the flip side of that, the benefits and the blessings of humility are clear, right? It's wonderful. There's honor that follows humility. There's blessings. That come. One of the blessings that we would have as being humble is God hears the prayer of the humble, doesn't He? The Bible teaches that. God hears the prayer of the humble. He tells the story in, in, in Luke chapter 18 where the, right, where the Pharisee and the publican, the tax collector, right, go down to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee, it was, it's terrible. The Bible says that you know he prayed thus with himself. You know, I'm I'm good. I'm righteous. I'm great. I'm you know I do all these perfect things. And, I, and he, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not as everybody else. I'm so wonderful. I'm so great. Right? You know that prayer that this Pharisee prayed. And and then the publican, the sinner, what did he pray? And the publican is standing afar off. The Bible said would not lift so much as his eyes toward heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Lord says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be what? Abased. And he that humbleth himself, the Lord says, shall be 
exalted. As we go to the Lord in prayer, being able to humble our hearts before God and talk to Him in prayer. A prayer, prayer in itself as we recognize what it truly is. The created, us, God's creation, being able to have fellowship with Him, that He hears our prayers. That's a humbling experience if we think about it as it is. And God hears those prayers. God gives understanding. God gives insight. God gives wisdom. I believe that learning the Word of God as we study the Word of God, you know what the key, I believe, to uh, God showing us truth and giving us truth and enlightening is us going to the Word of God, studying the Word of God with a humble heart and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us. The Holy Spirit is our teacher, right? He's supposed to lead us and guide us into all truth. But we must go at the Word of God with a humble heart. Not as if we already know, but that we're seeking to learn, right? That the Lord would teach us and that the Holy Spirit would guide us. This is the, this is the glory of the church. Isn't the church, when I say the church, I'm talking about believers, the body of Christ, aren't we as the bride of Christ, that picture in Ephesians, aren't we supposed to bring glory to God, right? As a church, we're supposed to bring glory to God. You know how we do that? You know how we're able to bring glory to God? As if we, as if we are humble with each other. As we are humble with each other. As we're loving and, and, and esteeming each other better than themselves. There's something about the church that when we do that as brothers and sisters in Christ, that God is glorified from it. In, 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 in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 5, talking to believers, he says this, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be, look at this, clothed in humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. This is a pretty clear principle. This is a pretty clear point that the Lord's making here, right? That the proud, the proud go to destruction, the proud goes to a fall, the proud is resisted, but with the humble there is what? Grace. And we want, we want grace. We want the grace of God in our lives, right? And he says, listen, this should be a distinctive of believers that we are, and I, I like how it says it here, that we are clothed in humility. You say, what should I wear? Humility. You should wear it well. Right? Wear this humility that when someone sees a believer, uh, they'll say, Wow! That is so amazing. Look at how humble they are toward the other brothers and sisters. Esteeming each other better than themselves. Right? That this thing is a beautiful thing and it brings glory to God, this humility. The Bible says this in, in Matthew. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 18. We're going to go back to Philippians 2. We're talking about humility and humbling ourselves in Matthew chapter 18. In verse 1, the Bible says, 
At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You almost sense a little bit of uh, pride in the question, don't you? He says, Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of him, them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except you be converted and come as a little child, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall, look at this, humble himself as a little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. We understand, we've talked about this before, that coming to Christ, salvation in and of itself, we have to humble ourselves for salvation, right? We have to realize that we are a sinner, that we are lost, and we have to come to Christ with childlike faith, believing God is who He says He is and that He can save us and that His, His sacrifice for our sin is what pays for our sin. But I said earlier that this uh, pride affects all of us, right? All, uh, all, all cultures and all you know, societies. But the Lord kind of shows us here the pride is uh, is not the same at all ages. The Lord shows us something here that maybe what it would look like for us to be humble is to have the humility of a child. They 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 they, they struggle less the children with pride than we do. Would you agree with that? And so the Lord says, if we're going to look at someone to say, okay, who is it in our society that struggles less with pride? This is going to be the little children. They have less problems with this pride. And he says, listen, you, you want to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? In other words, you want to be great in God's eyes? Have the mind of Christ. Willing to serve. Willing to be obedient. Willing to put others first. Obviously, the key to humility is Christ's example. Him in us. Turn back to Philippians chapter 2. So we see Christ, how far down He came, how far, how low He went to humble Himself. Christ came very low. From heaven (laughs) and all the angels worshiping Him, right? To becoming man and living here among us and experiencing all the temptations and problems that we have. And then even farther serving. We see that picture of Him washing the disciples' feet. Even, even Judas's feet. I mean, He was a servant. Christ was a servant, right? And then became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Why? Because it was the only way for our salvation. My point that I'm saying is, Christ, no one has come lower. No one has, no one has humbled themselves more than Jesus Christ. But no one is farther and more exalted than Jesus Christ. Look at verse verse, uh, 9 of Philippians 2. Because of all that humility, because of Christ bringing Himself so low, verse 9 of Philippians 2, Wherefore God hath what? Highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. The name of Jesus Christ is the highest name. You say... The highest name where? 
Look at verse 10. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is the most highly exalted name that every knee should bow. Heaven, earth, under the earth, Jesus Christ is Lord. So it only goes to to be, you know, obvious that in our lives, in our church, in our homes, that Christ should be exalted. Right? That Christ should be exalted. That He is the great one. Not any of us. Right? It's not us. It's Christ. This is why we've met together is because of Him. Right? And the same in our home and then the same in our lives that we could show, uh, you know, the awesomeness, if I, if I could. The awesomeness of God. Not the awesomeness of ourselves, but the awesomeness of God in our forefront. See, true humility, and I want to try to make this distinction here. True humility is not this false humility that sometimes we see in religion. And I think that we can see through it that, you know, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, I'm, you know, I can't do anything, right? That false humility. Because the truth of the matter is, is if God has given you a gift, if God has given you ability, then you can do something, right? If He's given us something, He wants us to use it. But the key to humility is, is He wants us to use it for His glory. It's not saying that we are nothing, because true, true humility is having a right estimation of who we are. And quite frankly, if we're saved born again, we're a child of God. We're heirs with Christ. We have uh, a lot to look forward to. We have a lot going for us. Because of Christ, that's the point. Because of Him, we're highly blessed. Because of Him and because of what He's done. Therefore, having the right estimation of Him is our humility. Just the humility is not this comparing ourselves among ourselves. You know, he's better, she's better, I'm better, she's more awesome, he's more cool, he's got more of this or that. Really, the true humility should not be focused on us at all. It it shouldn't be on, the focus should be all on the Lord and whatever he has given us to do and however he has blessed us to be able to use it. Is that making, am I making sense with that? That this is all about Him, not our performance. That's what vainglory is, what He said, not by vainglory. It's trying to bring glory to ourselves by our performance. And it's not about us, but the focus, true humility, is the focus is on the Lord, not on us. Christ, our example, He humbled Himself. Therefore, He calls us as Christians. Believers, if we have that same mind, we will humble ourselves. The verse that we talk about quite often about revival, we say, he says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves. That's what he says. And pray. And seek my face. Right? And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. James 4.10 says this, Humble yourselves 
and the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. See, this humbling ourselves has all all to do with looking at the Lord, doesn't it? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. (laughs) How could we not get... If we, if we, again, I'm not trying to focus on this pushing pride out. I'm trying to focus on if we see God for who He is, we will be humble. If we see God for who He is, the Creator of the universe, and work in our life, and His power, and His might, and His strength, my goodness, we'll say, this is humbling. And that He hears from us, and that He answers our prayers, and that He loves us, right? That He forgives us. Humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. There's so many examples of Scripture. The Bible is full of examples of these things. Either where pride leads to destruction, or where humility leads to honor. In the case of, you know, there's so many. Joseph and so many others. But there's also examples in the Bible where pride was leading to destruction, but they repented. And God forgave, and it led to honor. So there's hope. There's hope for us. Last week we talked about Hezekiah. Remember the story of Hezekiah last week, where I mean he was surrounded by the Assyrians and he had no hope, and and he goes and prays to the Lord, and and the Lord blesses, and the Lord saves, and the Lord delivers. I mean that was an awesome story. How Hezekiah had no strength in and of himself. He was done. If it, I mean, Sennacherib and Rabshakeh had him surrounded. He was done. If it wasn't for the Lord, Hezekiah, and all the people of Jerusalem were toast. And it was clear. Everybody knew it. But wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know, that after God delivered him, that Hezekiah started to become proud. The Bible says that people started to magnify him. And that all these nations around started to bring gifts Hezekiah. And the Bible tells us that his heart, Hezekiah's heart, was lifted up with pride. And we can read that story and be like, how is Hezekiah proud? It was clearly God that delivered him. We, we would almost say, there was no basis for pride in Hezekiah's life, right? But isn't that true of us? That it's God that saved us, it's God that delivers us, and the God that begins to bring the good things in our lives, the blessings and all these things, and it would be foolish for us like Hezekiah to then lift up our own heart and magnify ourselves. Hezekiah realized his error, the error of his way, and he repented. And Hezekiah, God forgave him, and God blessed him. How about the story of Nebuchadnezzar, the great king of Babylon that had just a glorious, glorious kingdom. The Bible, this is the last scripture we're going to close. Turn to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar is lifted up with pride in his heart looking at this kingdom that he has. And Daniel chapter 4 and verse 33. And the same hour was the, same, the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws, and at the end of the days of Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar's lifted up with pride. The 
beautiful, great kingdom that he has and all the power that he has. And God says, no, I'm going to humble you. And for seven years, for seven years, he goes and lives and acts like an animal. No understanding in his mind. He's eating grass and walk, going around on all fours. Uh, just, just lost his mind, right? Verse 34, In the end of the days of Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes to heaven. Look at this. This is the humbling process. He lifted up his eyes to heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. Again, when we humble ourselves before the Lord, He allows us to see things clearly, right? And I blessed the Most High. This is Nebuchadnezzar. And I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar said, I got the right perspective of God after seven years of this. I understand my place, even though I was the most powerful man in all the earth, I understand my place compared to His. That's what Nebuchadnezzar says. And all the inhabitants of the earth, verse 35, are reputed as nothing. And he doth according to his will to the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? And at the same time, Nebuchadnezzar says, My reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom and mine honor, and the brightness returned unto me. Isn't this what the Bible said? That when we humble ourselves, we are what? Honor. This is the principle lived out in Nebuchadnezzar. He, pride goeth before what? Destruction. And haughty spirit before a fall. That was Nebuchadnezzar's fall. But then Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself and God said, okay, you can have the honor back. You can have the glory back. Why? Because you can be trusted with it to reflect it to who? The Lord. That's what we're to do. As God, as God blesses us and gives these things to us, you know what we're all, all, all ultimately? It's God. It's the Lord. Any good in our lives, it's the Lord. He's blessed us. It's not going around saying, oh, I'm not blessed, I'm not blessed. No, it's saying, I'm blessed. And it's all come from the Lord. Right? Nebuchadnezzar says this. Now, verse 37, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, all whose works are truth and His ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. That's what Nebuchadnezzar says. Say, what's the cure for pride in our heart? Having the mind of the Lord. Blessing the Lord. Praising the Lord. Honoring the King of Heaven. Looking to Him. Reflecting any honor and glory back to the Lord. This is the unity in the church. You say, how could it be that we maybe from different backgrounds or different you know, ages or whatever it may be, the differences that we have, how is it that we could be in perfect harmony, perfect unity? Is that if all of us had the heart to say, glory to God, Amen. right? Praise to the Lord. His name is the name that we worship. It is Him that we seek and it is Him that we praise. And that is our source of unity, the mind of Christ. The key to our relationships. Pride's a killer for relationships, right? What's the key? Glorify the Lord is humility. It can open up the Scripture to us. As we humble ourselves before God, it opens... Listen, 
Humility and seeking God and looking to Him can change our prayer life. Couldn't Amen. Humility is what comes before honor. This is how to be great in God's kingdom. This is how to be great in God's eyes. It's not how, we're not looking to impress any man, right? But how can we be great in the eyes of the Lord? He says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, humble yourselves. Listen, it is the Lord that we seek to please and it is the Lord that we are living for. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, as we come before You, we do uh, lift high Your name. God, we love You. We thank You for this time that we can worship together. And, and uh, Lord, I pray that our hearts would just be uh, all focused upon You. God, that the pride of our heart, the pride in our life, those things that bring contention, Lord, that we would root it out and allow Your mind to dwell in us and, and that You would work in us and through us and that we would allow that, God, that we could glorify and praise You um, in, in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.